Hello, and welcome to the recap by Dive Collective. Over the next few minutes, we're going to hit the highlights of the last week's reading from our reading plan. Annika and I are excited to invite you along as we read through the Bible together. You can find our reading plan at divecollective.org. It's a free download when you sign up for our newsletter. We know that some of you love the accountability of a checklist, while others thrive from the freedom to join in whenever your schedule allows. The recap is intended to meet all of those needs. So whatever category you fit into, just know we're excited to have you here with us today. Welcome back to the recap. This is the June 18th episode. We're in Deuteronomy, Isaiah, and Psalms. Hmm. We are. Long I'm loving books. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Yes. This week was so good. So I love when I can look, I think I did this last week too. I don't remember what I said the theme was last week, but I love it when I can kind of look back over the week's reading and be like, this is the one thing, like, this is the main theme that stuck out to me and everything like kind of Mm -hmm. tied through all three. And I felt that way this week, which was kind of cool. So you Um, said you read in big chunks. Yeah. So normally I read daily except for Saturdays and Sundays. So Mondays are my catch up. I catch up for the weekend on Mondays and then everything else I pretty much read like according to the reading plan. Mm -hmm. But this week was nuts. Um, And so I read a little bit at the beginning and then I spent yesterday and the day before and this morning catching up. And I kind of wondered because I, when I closed my Bible this morning, I was like, I feel like there was this one thing that stuck out to me. And I wonder if I would have noticed that the same way if I had read it in my daily pieces. I wonder if I noticed it because I read it in big chunks. I don't know. Gotcha. I actually was going to ask, so that was going to be my question is what do you prefer? Cause lately I think pretty much I've been just doing big chunks. I start with Deuteronomy and then I read all of Isaiah and then I read Mm -hmm. Psalms. So I was just going to ask you if you have a preference for the way that whether you see things differently. Yeah. I don't and if know. It's good I, or bad. I wonder if I'm seeing things differently because I read it in big chunks. I enjoy reading it every day because I feel like I'm kind of mulling over it. Sometimes, sometimes if I have big chunks, I am more likely to rush through it. I maybe rushed through the end of Isaiah a little bit this week, but for the most part, didn't rush like I normally would if I was reading big chunks to try to catch up. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Yeah. I'll have to pay attention next week when I go back to reading, hopefully I can go back to reading every day and see if there's a difference. Okay. At the end of 17, did you notice? Okay. So this is Deuteronomy. This is before, this is like way back at the beginning before Joshua, before the judges and God like sets up guidelines for when they ask for a King, like he knows they're going to ask for a King eventually. Did you notice that? No. Okay, That's so starting in verse 14, yes. when you enter the land that God your God is giving you and take it over and settle down and then say, I'm going to get me a king, a king like all the nations around me. God's like, I know it's going to happen because you're going to be in this new place surrounded by these new people who all have kings. And I'm this like theocracy that I've set up for you is not going to be enough. Like you're going to want an actual king. Here's what you have to do. And he sets up these guidelines for whenever this happens, because God's like, I know it's going to happen. But the guideline, the thing that it says, starting in verse 18 was super interesting to me because I don't remember reading about Kings doing this, but it says, starting in verse 18, it says, this is what must be done. When he sits down on the throne of his kingdom, the first thing he must do is make himself a copy of this revelation. So he's basically supposed to take all this stuff that Moses has been telling the people, 
make his own copy, write it all down. And then he's supposed to study it every day, keep it right next to him so that he may learn what it means to fear his God living in reverent obedience before the rules and regulations by following them. God's like, when you ask for a king, because I know you're going to, here's what he has to do. The first thing he has to do day one is write it all, recopy this word for word. Don't leave anything out and then follow it, like keep it there and follow it. And it totally, I was thinking, I don't remember hearing about Saul doing this. I don't remember David doing this. And then the other one that popped into my mind was Hezekiah. Hezekiah, correct me if I'm wrong, I think Hezekiah is the one, I mean, we just read about him in Isaiah, but was he the one who finds the scroll, who finds it? It's not Hezekiah. Is it Josiah? Which one is it? One of the kings that finds. Yeah, it's toward the end, I think. Right? The young, the child king. I don't remember. I don't, I don't think it remember. is, but it's toward the end. It's toward the end of Chronicles, I think. Okay. Yeah. But either way, like this is, I want to pay attention when we go through Kings and Chronicles. Like I don't remember ever seeing anyone talk about any of the Kings sitting down and writing out all of Moses's words. Oh my gosh. What? I have never, I didn't, I didn't read it that way. He is to write a copy of this instruction for himself on a scroll in the presence of the Levitical priests. Like I actually, I just inter, I, I don't know why it didn't even, that's really just funny to me. That's like, that's so good. <laughs> I mean, like, it, I think in my head, I was just picturing them like writing down the instructions for how they're to choose a King, right? Like not like all writing all of Moses and Moses. And like, that's awesome. He was like, you have to write down all of yeah. this, write it down so that, and not, read it and not have it read, not study it, like write it down. Like the actual action of writing it down commits it to, yes, makes it solid. And then you spend the rest of your time reading it it and studying it. And it makes it, it's like taking ownership. Like when you, like, this is my copy of my scroll. Like this is mine. I have to reference this as the King and I've written it all down. Like it makes it it, there would, there would have had to be an incredible sense of responsibility for yes. that King as the one to make sure his people keeps this yes. Mos, like Moses and instruction, Moses and instruction. That's so good. Moses instruction. <laughs> well, hello there. We're so glad you're following along with us on the recap. We wanted to invite you to study Jacob with us this summer. We have been going through the book of Genesis this year, and our next eight-week study is on the life of Jacob. We'll be meeting all of June and July on Tuesdays live. Or you can join the network and get all of our previous studies for free via podcast. No matter what, we're just glad that you're joining us in the Word of God. Now, let's get back to the recap. Chapter 18, when he talks about the Lord being the Levite's inheritance. Um, Yes. I think that that, I didn't include the part where we talked about uh, my friend who I'm just watching the Lord work in her life and going, oh my gosh, you are the richest woman I've ever known because the Lord is her inheritance. Like Mm. being able to see the Lord work in somebody's life who has chosen him as their inheritance is a really powerful thing. Like I feel like I see him work more miraculously and provide more provide. He provides more miraculously for her than I've ever seen anybody provide Mm. anywhere else in my life. And I like, literally, I feel like God kind of revealed, you know, this like truth that it's like, this because I'm her inheritance. Like I, Mm. like I am because she trusts me to do these things. 
I am her inheritance. She's not wealthy. She doesn't have a ton of money, but like she has more than enough. She has plenty for every day and she trusts him for more and he provides. And it's, it's that balance between, uh, I don't know what the one side of it be, would be, but the other extreme is like the prosperity gospel that if you believe it, then he, you know, it's, it's not that it's actually the true right. reality of what it means for the Lord to be your inheritance there. Yeah. He provides enough and you're not wealthy, but because every day you're trusting for the next thing and he provides, and it's like just the coolest, I don't know, to have a real life, like tangible picture of what that looks mm -hmm. like in somebody's life is a really, it's just a really powerful thing. So to read this in Deuteronomy 18 and go, yeah, I get what that means. When, when he is our treasure, we always have enough. And yet every day he has to be, we have to be trusting him for that. You should tell her that you thought of her when, when you read this. Did you tell her that? I mean, oh, well, I know you guys had that conversation sort of. I didn't tell her that about this specific portion of scripture, but I have a hard time talking about the prosperity gospel because I can't talk about it without being like, but there's some truth. There's some truth that like God does, does desire to bless us, but it's not yeah. the way that they do it. You know what I mean? Yes. Like that, like yeah. people just write people off completely. And it's like, but then can we like, can we talk about where, can we talk about where it's true? You know, that when we believe yeah. him for the things that we need, that he does provide. Okay. Anyway, so that was what I had from 18 and at the very end of 18. You may say to yourself, how can we recognize a message the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the Lord's name and the message does not come true or is not fulfilled, this is a message the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. Do not be afraid of him. I think maybe in other parts, we'll find that there's like great consequences for people, for false prophets. Mm -hmm. But I like that there's, we believe in the, in the charismatic gifts of the spirit, but we don't use them or operate them at, at all, but we desire to. And so there's this like, you know, if this is what we believe, then there should be some evidence of it mm. in our body, but what does it look like? And how do we do it? Well, like this is, this is, so anyway, I come to this passage and I look at it and I'm like, but that's so cool. That God is like, just don't listen to him. Yeah. You don't have to freak out about it. If there's a prophecy given, that's not true. The church will not be destroyed because yeah. we we're doing it wrong. Like this idea, I don't know. It's kind of like this, like proof that's like, you can practice without having to be afraid that if you do it wrong, something terrible is going to happen. It's mm -hmm. just, you know what I mean? I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah. It makes me think. So it makes me think also about that prophecy podcast. I just listened to our modern day understanding of the word prophecy or prophet is so caught up in like the future, future. telling version mm -hmm. or the, that like one little section, like that's yeah. one little thing. Like really, when we look at what the prophets did in scripture, that they was only truth. a small part of it. Yeah. Exactly. And so like, we're, we're almost afraid of that whole air realm because we get so focused on the like prediction aspect of it. And we forget that their job is to speak God's word. They're yeah. Speaking of, yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's about be, speaking truth. And typically people, I think who have a gift of prophecy are actually almost unable not to like, they can't like when they hear it, when they know the truth and they see people not living according to it, it's really hard for them to hold back. Mm -hmm. All of that to say, I just read that. And I was like, that's, 
that's kind of cool that God set something up for humanity that was like, you're not going to break anything by yeah doing what I've called you to do. You know what I mean? Or yeah. Mm. Um, and then I love the difference between manslaughter and murder, like the way that he's, I did realize before this reading, but it's only been in the last, I think several years that I've realized mm-hmm. that like God set up a different consequence for those who didn't hate their brother and right. killed them versus somebody who actually hated their brother and killed them. Yep. And I think we see that's a Cain and Abel issue, right? Cain actually hated Abel, mm-hmm. which is what caused him. He actually murdered his brother versus mm-hmm. accidentally. Yeah, it was not. An I accident. mean, and like yeah. the, the specific example that they give: if you're in the woods and you're cutting down trees, and an axe flies off the top <laughs> of the piece yes. and kills your yes. brother, like you're like, well, that probably happened. Like that's why it's one of those things that you only use it as an example if it's something that's happened, right? I mean, there's infinite examples of how it yeah. could possibly yes. happen and that that's the one just cracks mm-hmm. me up. It's so funny. Yeah, that is funny. And then the instructions not to look on people with pity. Like when when somebody deserves to die and they get the death penalty, like don't look on them with pity. Remove the wickedness from the camp. Mm-hmm. Like just, yep. that's an interesting instruction. When I guess we see that with Aaron because Aaron wasn't allowed to have, he wasn't allowed to grieve or have pity for his sons who were killed. It was That's like, right. Yep. Yeah. We see that God is like, don't feel sad about this. This isn't. And I think we read about that in man Psalms. I'm as I'm looking through my notes, I was thinking I had more from Deuteronomy, but it was mostly Psalms and Isaiah this week, I guess. But we Psalms and Isaiah was a lot of remembering what God did and who Israel is and how he worked for them. And he talked I forget which one it was. Maybe it was both about specific things like um, he uses, I think someone, one of them uses Dothan, which I think was with Korah when the earth swallowed them up. Like, and it's that same idea, purge the evil from among you. Like there, mm-hmm. he, he talks, I think it's Isaiah where they talk about um, going into cities that are full of sorcery, not just false gods, but you know, witchcraft and sorcery and like he's got no space for that mm-hmm. yep then chapter 20 they're about to go to war and he's like bring the priests in front of them and then he's like send them home anybody who's not all in yes. send them home mm-hmm. no shame like there's no shame yeah. in it it's just like if you if you have if you have somebody that you've married and you haven't had a chance to like I don't even remember. I don't think it was consummate your marriage, but it's like, basically if you don't, or if you're engaged and you haven't had a chance to get married, if there's anything that you're leaving behind that you're going to be like, I didn't have a chance to, to do this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Go just go home. If you're afraid go. Well, So like before the fear one, like he talks about, um, he uses the example of building a house. Is there a man who's built a house and hasn't dedicated it or a vineyard who hasn't enjoyed the grapes? Yeah. Or a man engaged who hasn't taken his wife. Like those are things that you find joy in. And he's it's, like, I want, go and enjoy this thing that like this good gift that God's given you, go enjoy it before you die in battle. There's something there. That. There's I gotta be, there's a whole sermon series probably yeah. gonna be preached in that about God's desire for us to see the fruit of, of what we've done. I, like I said, I don't, I haven't thought about it enough now, but as you're talking, I'm like, there's there is something really rich here about, well, I think, go ahead. Sorry. No, just like the idea of like going into battle 
And, but before you go into battle, like enjoy the fruit, like enjoy the fruit of the land that I've given you. Right. Enjoy the, enjoy the good things that I've prepared And the for fruit you. of your labors. Like God, mm-hmm. cre- we were created to work and God understands that as like humanity likes to see the fruit of their labors. You know what I mean? It's rewarding to look at, to be able to enjoy what you've worked for. And he and probably faith building. That. Yeah. Yep. Which is probably something he wants us to go into battle with is a lot of, which totally makes me think of, there was a Psalm that talks about God enjoying his create. Like I'm going there because I was going to like, God gets it because he's the same. Like he looks at his creation, the fruit of his labor and finds pleasure and joy in it. It's not just meaningless. Oh, that was the Psalm. That was the Psalm. Like I was just like, this is the only Psalm I have to talk about this week. Yes. I told it's the very first one from our, it's the first one from our reading. Oh my word. 104. Yes. Let God enjoy his creation. Yes. Yes. I was like, I don't need to talk about any other Psalms. That's the only one I have for us today. We'll get there. Yeah. Okay. So Annika and I have been off the record talking about this whole topic of sex, human sexuality and what it means for the church, like how the church is handling human sexuality and all of these um, questions surrounding the LGBTQ plus community and how the church has responded in the past and what the correct response should be and what that looks like. And how do we just, we're trying to wrap our minds around a concept that is too big for us really. But last week we were specifically talking about, um, we were specifically talking about this topic and we were talking about first and foremost, we were talking about the fact that like, because it's not a battle that we've ever fought, it's not really ours. Like we can't really, it's not ours to speak to really with a lot of authority besides what we know scripture says, which is that all of us are sinners and all of us have to submit our entire lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So what that looks like for me and that sins that I struggle with is going to look similar in a parallel way because I have to submit my, all of my life to Christ. All of our brothers and sisters have to do the same thing. And we have brothers and sisters in that um, LGBTQ plus community, their sexuality, everybody has a broken sexuality and they're, and, and they're, they have to work to submit it to Christ. Anyway, so we were talking about it's, it was kind of easy for me to wrap my mind around how you do that as um, somebody who's gay or lesbian, because I have read books by men and women who have done that. And it looks differently for them, for each of them, but it's a beautiful thing. Like it's an incredibly beautiful thing to listen to these testimonies. Anyway, at the end of it, we were talking specifically about transgender and we were kind of like, well, what is that? I don't, I've never read anything or heard any testimonies by people who are transgender. What does that look like? To, is it a sin to like dress as a man? <laughs> Dress as a woman. <laughs> Remember how we got to this? And do you know why I'm here right now? <laughs> oh, yes, I totally, yes. <laughs> I almost texted you. I 100% know why you're here right now. Okay. <laughs> I can't believe I forgot about this. Yes, this is something I was planning on talking with you, not necessarily like on the air, like off the record. Did you notice a difference? This is in 22. Did you yes. notice it? Okay. Did you notice a difference? Because he lists a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah. You're not supposed to do. Yeah. But did you notice one thing? Did I notice a what? A difference with that one thing in verse five. Okay. No. Are you going to read it? 
I can. Are we putting this in the podcast? This is well, making me have like cold sweats. Okay. Maybe not. I mean, I can take it out if we decide at the end that we don't want to. I feel like we should try. And if we totally yeah. like botch it, we'll just cut it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so he lists all of these things that are not right. I mean, one of them is making a pair like, or things that aren't right or things that you do to do something correctly. Like, uh-huh. um, building a fence around your roof. So no one falls off and dies. Like it's all this stuff. But the thing that stuck out to me that I'm pretty sure that's the only one that it says uses the wording that it's an abomination to God. Yeah. That I don't know how you get around that. I I mean, I really don't. (laughs) Well, I think that's what, I think that's what struck me. And I think we actually got to this toward the end of our, our conversation, our Mm -hmm. off the record conversation last week was that really every issue the thing that brings glory to God in all of our lives is being a people who submit everything Mm -hmm. to the Lordship of Jesus Mm -hmm. Christ. And so what that looks like for each of us is going to be different. And so in all of the testimonies that I've read from gay and lesbian uh, followers of Jesus Christ, that is the gospel written on their lives, you know, is how beautiful God, how faithful God has been and how beautiful life has turned out to be as they've practiced the discipline of submitting their lives and their sexuality and everything to Jesus Christ. Well, I haven't, I had never read anything or heard any stories from anybody who was transgender or gender dysphoric, or, you know, there's so many different names and words Mm -hmm. for the at any rate, at the end of our conversation, it was kind of like, well, I don't, well, that's an interesting thing. I think I had said something like, is it a sin to dress up as a man or mm-hmm. if you're a woman or a man? So I would just believe there's just no mistake that this was our next, our reading for this week. Right. Cause then God is mm-hmm. like, it's here in black and white. It's God has a standard and the joy is going to be walking beside people as they mm-hmm. discover that God is faithful and there's joy and goodness in choosing to submit our lives to Jesus mm-hmm. Christ for all of us mm-hmm. and for everyone. And so anyway, all of that to say, I also wanted to tell you that I found a, um, I have a friend who sent me a video of a woman who was, she was a young woman. She had been abused as a child. She went to college. She gave her life to Jesus. And after she gave her life to Jesus, she began to transition because she felt like um, she felt like a man. She began to transition. And after she, after she gave her life to Jesus, like this whole thing is so awesome, the way that God works. And like, she talks about her experience with her believing friends and her experience with the LGBTQ plus community. And then like how God personally met her in that like as she was on that journey and he's the one that spoke to her about like, I cherish you just the way that I created Mm. you like that. Like, and that to her, like speaking to her about how he sees her. And that's Mm. just such like, that should be a a message to all of us that like God speaks to people. Like if God isn't speaking to people on an issue, like there's nothing that's going to change. Like God has to do it. And so Mm -hmm. the story will like that, that was our theme last week from like this whole Remember, we were like, God will do it. That's like, yes, God will do what he will do. Yeah. And so like, I will, I'll have to send you the video because yeah. it's just a really great testimony to one that God does it. And two, 
how somebody wrestling with that thing could use our love in the church because really what she was finding was that she didn't have a place in the place where she should have had a place. She didn't have a place. A place anywhere, probably. Right. She didn't have a place. And she didn't have a place in the LBGDQ plus community. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like, she didn't have a place. Anyway, God is just, God is so cool. God is so cool. And so how do we be that place? How can we be that place for people? Even after they give their life to Christ. That's the part that's like, that's the part that I think that we're wrestling with is like, well, if you give your life to Christ, your life has to be fully submitted to him or you haven't really given your life to Christ. And it's like, wait a minute. Right. It doesn't happen overnight. This well, is then, and you look at Jacob, Jacob full on had this dream and this vision. And he was like, this is the house of God. This is the house of God. And then he says, when God brings me back here, he will be my God. Like, was he, did, was he a believer? Like, when was he a believer and who, who, right. do we, who gets to say, I don't yeah. know. Like, he was actually a believer when he was born in his mother's, when he was wrestling with Esau in his mother's womb. And God said, I have chosen this one. The I've younger chosen one. You. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, uh, okay. So this is so interesting because remember how I was saying, I felt like there was like this theme that I kept mm. coming back to this week in my reading. And I just kept mostly Psalms and Isaiah. And partly because they relate so much back to Deuteronomy, they're talking so much about the history of Israel this week, but in Psalm 105, maybe verse four or five, it says, keep your eyes open for God, watch for his works, be alert for signs of his presence. And so I was thinking about that. And then I just kept reading and I was blown away. Like, I was just like, God, well, then in Isaiah, we read about Cyrus and how God's like, I handpicked this guy Cyrus to do my job. And he doesn't even know me. Like he doesn't even know it. And so I was just thinking so much about like, we have, and then there's another section where it talks about God's work, like his working behind the scenes. Like I was, that's what I was thinking about this week. Like we have no idea what God's doing how he's doing it. Like all of this is a complete mystery to us. We can read this and try to trace themes and know as much as we can know about God. And as much as he chooses to reveal himself to us and how he works, but we're never going to get it. Like we, we're never going to be able to put our finger on this is what, this is how God does what he does. It doesn't make sense, but we are called to be alert for signs of his presence and aware of ways he's working and pay attention to that. And then work alongside him in that. And it's probably what verse is that? It's Psalm 105. It's in the first six verses. It's probably verse four or five. That's so good. I feel like that's like so. I mean, that goes back to the whole like faith, hope, and love, right? It's it's like be aware of my presence, look for signs of my work, look for all of that. And I think even in the context of what we're talking about, it's that reality that's like we can speak truth, we can say what the truth is, but if it's and we are as a, this is the thing I was going to, I was thinking as you were talking, I think part of the issue is sometimes as believers, we get too focused on the, like, it's my job to speak truth as your brother and sister. You uh-huh. know what I mean? Yeah. But there is some truth to the fact that as believers, we are called to build each other up. We were talking about prophets earlier and how like one of the roles of the prophet is to speak truth. Mm -hmm. So like there is an aspect of us, we, as believers, we grow in community. We grow more like Christ with our brothers and sisters Mm -hmm. because of them and together with them. And so there is like, there is an aspect of a responsibility we have to fellow believers to help walk. But, but like you said, it's all based in relationship. Like it's all Mm -hmm. walking alongside 
and recognizing that we're in the same boat, like that we're all doing yeah. it together. Yeah. yeah. And the only time that you would ever speak truth outside of relationship or outside of a relationship in which you are equally sharing your own sin with somebody, the only situation is if you are a prophet, if you have right. been called as a prophet to go and speak truth in to, to, to the masses about what is truth and what is not, which kind of falls under the role of pastor. I think sometimes like they're, they're past, like the, the role of a teach someone who teaches God's word is to teach God's word, whether he can speak fully from experience or not. You know what I mean? Like, that's good. I like that. That's a good one more thing about his presence. And then we have to move on and we may not actually even touch very much on Isaiah and Psalms because we are going over time. The end of 23. I really loved this line for the Lord. Your God walks throughout your camp to protect you and deliver your enemies to you. So your encampments must be holy. He must not see anything indecent among you or he will turn away from you. I know that everything is, it's different now, you know, because we are holy because of Christ. Otherwise, like everything, I'm, I'm, everything in my house is, in, is, is indecent. You know, he has, I'm so not holy except for Christ. And they mm. were so not holy except for that God had mercy on them. There's, you know what I mean? <laughs> but they didn't see him. They didn't see him, but he was there walking among their camps. Like he's like, he, like the words there, I think are pretty literal. For the Lord, your God walks throughout your camp to protect you and deliver you from your enemies. And I don't know what it was about that line, but I was like, like, he's here, like he's here walking among us. It's not, it's not some outside, like just because I don't see him doesn't mean that he's not very much here Present. Yeah, walking among us. And I don't think about him. I think about him as like, kind of like this, like light ray of like presence or spirit right or he's cloud. around yes yes he's around but he's, he's the not, air like, that i yes but he's yes. not like walking among us and i mm-hmm. but that like that reality that god is walking among us and not like he's walking among us because he's for us like he's walking among us because i'm here to protect he's you not like you. right satan is walking around trying to devour God's the opposite of that. Yeah. Yeah. He's walking among us. Like, can you, and that's, that's our reality. The God of the universe is on our team. Okay. We should wrap it up. I feel like there's so much in Isaiah this week, but we should wrap it up. Oh, we should wrap it up. This, this week's Isaiah was also that whole sarcastic, like non-God section. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I mean, I, I loved it. He makes half of, he has wood and half of it he uses to make a fire to warm himself and barbecue a supper. And the other half, he makes a God. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's very well-written stuff. <laughs> very so well-written. Is that, is that, yes, yeah. it's just so it's good. brilliant. Cause you it's can't, like, you read it and you're like, oh yeah, yep. that's really mm-hmm. silly. That's pretty dumb. That's super silly. Uh, oh, okay. Hold on. There was the one thing from Isaiah that um i think it was an isaiah oh maybe it was from the psalm i think we just need to say go read this week's psalms and isaiah i i don't think i've ever marked isaiah up quite so much this is it okay so i'm totally you know i'm like 
I'm so excited about this like festival, like Jewish, Jewish feasts and yes. like they're lining up with all of like God's like major events. Mm-hmm. So when I read this in Psalm 105, 104 this week, I was like, of course, of course he did. It says in Psalm 104, 19, he made the moon to mark the festivals. He actually set the moon in place and put it in its timing so that it would perfectly mark the Passover in Egypt. And then it would perfectly mark Jesus's, Jesus's death and resurrection so that it would perfectly mark his coming. Like he put, he set it in motion was like, boom, this is at this, at this top time, I have it planned that this is the thing that's going to happen here. And then this is the thing that's going to happen here. And like, God, it's his clock. He's like marking time with this yeah. moon. And yeah, I didn't my this translation says seasons. So I totally didn't even think of it. That well, way. that's it's even better cool. because remember how I love that transition. Oh, and I'll, hold on E. Is that what it says? Oh, seasons. No. What? Appointed times. Oh, that sounds like a very apocalyptic sounding word. Like that makes me think of revelation, not apocalyptic sounding, but that sounds very like appointed. It's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. He set it up to mark his appointed times, which when you think about what you're saying, seasons, when Jesus says, watch the seasons, like he says, watch the seasons when he's talking about like for the end, end times, like when it's Mm -hmm. all, they ask like, when is it all going to be done? He's like, watch the seasons. Nobody knows. Watch the seasons. Like that's anyway. We didn't. I love the way that you wrapped it up. Like if you haven't, um, we barely scratched the surface. Just go and read it. Isaiah was, Isaiah was rich. Psalms were beautiful. Thanks for listening to the recap. If you enjoyed this discussion and maybe you're wondering how to get more highlights out of your own scripture reading, you might be interested in joining our in-depth Bible studies where we model our version of inductive Bible study. You can find out more at divecollective.org and we will see you next week.